Super Talk Mississippi media production. Taylor Swift is coming to New Orleans, and Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and Super Talk are giving away a free pair of tickets. For your chance to win, go register now at Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from Margaritaville and Super Talk 103.1. This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert and i am on location live today at carter jewelers in downtown jackson rhino back in the super talk studios we'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music on this hump day and the last one before Christmas, Rhino, it is right around the corner. And that's why we're at Carter Jewelers. Folks, the selection, incredible. The pricing cannot be beat. And we're going to have Jerry Lake or perhaps Jay on the program later on to tell us about the deals. And I think some promotions they still got going on. It's early in the morning still, relatively speaking, and folks have been pouring in here, uh, checking out the quality jewelry, the good deals, making selections, and taking stuff home. And you better have something for Christmas for uh, your loved ones, and perhaps no better gift in that regard than jewelry, something that, of course, retains its value and lasts forever, often gets passed down through the generations uh uh, Rhino, the weather moved out of here. It's just a little chilly, but nothing like it's going to be, huh? No, we got to enjoy the 50s this afternoon for some of us <laughs> while we can, because tomorrow the bottom will fall out, and I don't mean rain. I mean the mercury, because <laughs> some parts of the Magnolia State could see the temperature fall 20 to 30 degrees in two hours. Jeez. It's not very often that the Nas- National Weather Service service uh, issues uh, threats for dangerous cold. I mean, we're used to seeing floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, and uh, that sort of uh, weather activity. But cold, because I'm looking at the, the latest map, forecast map, from the National Weather uh, Service in Jackson, and it shows uh, the northern, let's say, 20 25% of the state, which would include at the, at the southernmost uh, uh, aspect of that region, the point of that region, Clarksdale, all the way up through Oxford, Tupelo, Ripley, South Haven, up into Appalachia in the northeast corner of the state. It is shaded in purple, which means extreme threat. Low temps, below 10 degrees, wind chill, less than negative 10 degrees likely, Friday uh, Friday highs in the upper teens, low 20s, frostbite, 
You don't see that in Mississippi very often, do you? And then the central part of the state, all the way through Hattiesburg, uh, and frankly, all the way to the the line that uh, forms the border of Louisiana to the south and Mississippi to the north, sort of draw a line across that. All of that is shaded in red, and that is considered significant. So you've got extreme, significant, and then the southernmost area of the state, which would include the coastal counties and the three or four just north of the three coastal counties, is in the elevated shade and limited shade. That means it's going to be pretty dang cold, and that is for late weekend, this coming weekend. I don't think I've ever seen extreme threat uh, from the perspective of cold as it is it. Uh, pertains to cold in the state of mississippi extreme threat in fairness when's the last time you saw wind chills with negative double digits expected i'm not sure ever i mean i'm sure it happened some at some point in my life i don't know that i've ever seen double digit wind chilled forecast and that's what we're looking at uh today frostbite hypothermia likely with prolonged exposure and because these are the warnings the national weather service is issuing uh, extreme threat damage to exposed pipes and water main breaks expected and of course that makes you think about the city of jackson already plagued with a plethora of water infrastructure problems and that's without extreme cold so what is that going to do to these ancient pipes under the ground here when this uh, really severely cold weather moves through central mississippi and the jackson area the mayor says they're in good shape well we shall see as the saying goes but i don't know that i've ever seen extreme threat as a forecast uh, for cold weather in the state of mississippi but that's what we're looking at folks uh, please stay warm stay safe be aware uh, be weather aware and take care of your pets as well. It it's really should go without saying. Yeah, even if they're so an outdoor dog or an outdoor cat, they are not used to and not ready for the temperature to drop that much and to get that cold, even with heaters, even with warm blankets and a way to get in out of the cold. It it's still going to be brutally cold for them. So. If you've got a laundry room, if you got a mud room, if you got a garage door, anything to get them in out of the weather and out of the cold as much as possible, you'll be thankful when you don't have a tragedy when you wake up the next morning. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Good advice there. I, you know, I don't know anything about this, Rhino, but I often wonder about, like, cattle and other animals, horses and so forth that are outside uh, do they endure this okay how does that work uh it it kind of depends i mean some farms do have some housing and some sheds they can use to get some of the herd in uh a lot of horses will be put under blankets and all that kind of stuff but i mean not being a farmer i don't know the ins and outs but i have seen stories in the past of extreme cold weather events in the midwest where they did have a lot of deaths in the herd due hmm. to extreme cold. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let's hope it moves on through here. I don't mind it being cold, but you, you know you don't want dangerous, threatening, severe cold to the point where it does, in fact, endanger 
humans, animals, etc. And of course, those folks up in the Midwest and the Northeast are uh, already accustomed to hitting the hip when the winter moves through with respect to keeping their homes heated, etc. It's now estimated they're going to, on average, spend twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, during the winter, just the three or so months during the winter, to stay warm. A lot of folks simply cannot afford that. And uh, I've seen nothing out of this administration addressing that hardship or uh, any any possible solution to that, which, of course, is to unleash the abundance of the gifts that America has been blessed with from a fossil fuels perspective and get the heck out of the way and let these folks develop and produce more. Now, the good news is if you've been buying gas lately, the price of gas is down, the price of diesel down, and that's just a function of uh, uh, some degree of increase in supply and decrease in demand. Uh, It's catching up somewhat. It's the way the market's supposed to work. It's nothing that Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing. They want to tell you it's because of the release of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, but that's just absolutely not the case. We've got Senator John Polk uh, joining us at 1020 today. Of course, we'll have Jerry or Jay Lake from Carter Jewelers on the program. At the end of each hour, political analyst Mitch Tyner, Thomas Thomas Gregory, executive director of Mississippi Main Street Association. Yesterday, Rhino, the tribute to Mike Leach and the Humphreys Coliseum at Mississippi State University, I thought was just fantastic, really well done. And it included descendants of uh, him from a coaching perspective, colleagues, as well as uh, former players. Uh, Really, I thought, a very well done tribute, professionally done. And uh, a great article this morning in the Clarion Ledger entitled, Mike Leach Did Things His Way. That, that is absolutely the case. He was unique, had a unique style, I thought brought in just entertainment and intrigue uh, to the game, to the coaching ranks. But uh, we should not let that overshadow his contributions uh, to just the style of the game in general uh, with the air raid offense that was... Uh, his uh, his design. And so I thought it was a very fitting tribute, really well done. And we are blessed again for having Coach Leach uh, be at Mississippi State, be part of the Mississippi community, and we'll stake our claim to the great coach. We will miss him dearly, as will, of course, his family, his players, his other coaches. He was really something. Uh, and doing that at Humphrey Coliseum, it's still kind of hard to wrap your head around that, isn't it, that you're having to uh, conduct a memorial for a sitting head coach on a university campus? That's just surreal unto itself, incredibly rare. 61 years old, left this earth way too soon. Thank you, Coach, for everything you did for Mississippi, Mississippi State, college football, so many who you touched throughout your life. Thank you. Coming right back with Senator John Polk. Stay with us. Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Well, that's not Nat King Cole. Who's that, Rhino? That is actually Nat King Cole. Oh, it is? Young Nat King Cole. Oh, okay. I thought his voice sounded a little higher than than the, the normal popular recording that I really love. Nat King Cole, wow. Joining us now uh, is Senator John Polk. He represents uh, District 44. That includes Lamar and Pearl River counties. And he's also the chair of the Accountability, Efficiency, and Transparency Committee. Serves as the vice chair of the Appropriations Committee. Good morning, Senator. Thanks for joining us on Middays. Well, good morning, Gerard. How are you today? Doing fantastic, sir. Appreciate you coming on. It's hard to believe that now, in less than two weeks, you guys will be uh, going back to the Capitol, kicking off the 2023 legislative session. It seems like we were just discussing the activity in the 22 session, but I know you're accustomed to this. It rolls around in a hurry. What's on your mind, sir? What are you guys uh, thinking about? What are your priorities in this upcoming session? Well, Gerard, I tell you what, it's uh, one of those sessions where uh, we don't want to take up a whole lot of stuff because many of us are running for office again, and we need to be back home with our constituents and making sure they understood what we did for the last three years and what we'll be doing for this year. And so I hopefully we don't have a lot of controversial issues, but, you know, I'm always the last one uh, to predict what's going to happen. <laughs> Well, that's that's pretty much been the the consensus, uh, uh, Senator, in the other members of the legislature that we've chatted with on the program over the last few weeks. We, I've asked them all, what are your plans? What do you expect in this session? I think it's safe to say last year's session, the twenty two session, was one that was uh, pretty rife with lots of of activity, lots of accomplishments. Uh, the one thing that I would say, sir, that did not get done that uh, it will be interesting to see if it gets taken up in the 2023 session is the citizen-initiated ballot measure process. You know, we had a bill that came out of the House, passed the House, went over to the Senate. Seems like the sticking point was the number of signatures required to certify the measure to be placed on the ballot. Do you think that's going to come up again, and how, how do you stand on that? Well, first off, uh, who knows if it'll come up. Someone will have to introduce it. Uh, and then, after it's introduced, um, it will have to go through committee. And yeah. it may or may not be assigned to the AET committee again this year. The lieutenant governor has prerogative on that and can uh, assign it where he wants to. But one thing we need to remember from last year, uh, some people have been saying that the Senate uh, did not pass the bill. But I, that's really incorrect. In fact, okay. uh, we passed the bill 52 to 0. Uh, it was an amended bill that had more signatures required uh, than the House bill did. had a few other changes in it. So okay. uh, it was. It, it's kind of disingenuous when some news organizations say the Senate uh, didn't work hard on that. We worked very hard on it. And I thought that a 52 to 0 uh, vote was very good. Hmm. So uh, the the bill that the Senate passed, 52 to 0, then was that the only difference between that bill 
and the House bill. It also passed by an overwhelming margin in the House. The, the number of signatures required, was that the, the, the primary notable difference? That was the primary notable difference that the House seemed to have the biggest issue with. There were a few other little tweaks that we put in there. What okay. I did, Gerard, is after it, uh, um, we got the bill, I had uh, two of my committee members uh, tear it apart, look at it, see uh, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they thought would work, what they wouldn't work. And they reported back to me, and we put back together this bill that we did pass 52 to 0 and sent it back to the House okay. for concurrence. Okay. Well, if I've misrepresented that, I certainly apologize. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember too much coming out of the Senate on that, so I appreciate you you uh, correcting the record for us on that, and, and we'll certainly describe it that way. I think it's just safe to say that the Senate wanted uh, had a higher signature threshold than the House. Uh, both uh, support some form of uh, citizen measure uh, process, but just have different ideas about the number of signatures required. I think we'll just leave it at that. Does that sound fair? That sounds fair. Okay, great. All right, what else is on your mind coming up in the next session, Senator? Well, we've still got some ARPA funds left, uh, about $350 million. And, of course, we need to look at where we're going to spend those. The lieutenant governor and chairman of appropriations has said that they want to keep our subcommittee uh, intact uh, and work on uh, suggestions on how to, to spend those funds. Um, so far, the monies that we have uh, allocated and the Senate and the House allocated last year, which was about $1.434 million, uh, billion dollars, uh, mm-hmm. Have been spent well. There, uh, we're we're on the move with moving those through. The most significant number uh, of items that we did was the infrastructure, which was both the for cities and counties, uh, which uh, we had four hundred and fifty million dollars assigned there, and then water associations in the rural areas, uh, we had three hundred million assigned there, and we're still in the process of making the grants. Um, and making sure that uh, they're all the way they should be to where there won't be any clawbacks. And mm-hmm. I'm very pleased with the work that DEQ and Health Department has done so far to ensure that. Gotcha. What about the, the budget this coming year? You, you're well aware that we have produced uh, fairly handsome surpluses the last couple of years. Now, we could certainly dive into the the root cause of those, but uh, I believe that a, a great deal of the reason uh, uh, for those surpluses is just all the federal money that came our way and, honestly, how that also boosted uh, our economy overall, and that generated higher sales taxes and, of course, m- much of those those uh, revenues to small, mid-sized businesses are passed through to individuals who file as uh, uh, individual income tax payers. And so that produced more income taxes as well. We've just had just bounty surpluses <laughs> and uh, lots of revenue flowing into the state. Do you feel good about that going forward? Well, I feel good that we have a lot of money in the bank. But I've been <laughs> listening to you. I listen to your show often. And I am 100% in agreement with you that uh, this this is unusual for us to have this kind of funds. It won't last. We yeah. cannot depend on this type of, of, of money coming into the coffers uh, from now on. And, in fact, I look forward to get a lot less 
soon. I look for inflation to eat up a lot of what we've got going on. And so I think we've got to be very careful and very prudent and very frugal in a way to make sure that we use these funds wisely and do it for the future generations, how we can spend it for them. Yeah, it's really kind of hard to believe that uh, this trend will continue talking about these these billion-dollar surpluses that we've been blessed with the last couple of years. And, in fact, most states are producing uh, tidy surpluses as a result for the, the federal largesse that has been uh, pumped into the states for the last couple of years. And now we've got this giant a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, and, and it's got all kinds of goodies. In fact, 7,500 earmarks in this bill. Uh, our neighbor to the east, Alabama, Senator Shelby, will be uh, championing the biggest of the earmarks in terms of a state's share, $656 million. I'm also seeing uh, reports that $600 million going to the city of Jackson. Are you aware of that, Senator? What do you think about that? I found out about that yesterday, and it stunned me, actually. Um, I'm glad that they're going to get it. I hate that the federal government is going to spend that much money of my tax dollar and your tax dollar. Yeah. Uh, I just hope that there's better leadership uh, with the city of Jackson to spend that money wisely. Um, I think for many, many years, the reason the city of Jackson's in the trouble it's in has been a lack of leadership and forward thinking to ensure that their uh, infrastructure works. And they yeah. spent it on things that uh, were not as important as that. And I think that uh, it's come back to haunt them now. And I guess if the federal government's going to bail them out, uh, it's much better than them coming to the state of Mississippi and asking Mississippians to bail them out. Either way, though, you're so right, Senator. The taxpayers are, are footing the bill, uh, honestly, for bad, for bad, incompetent management leadership. And, and uh, it's almost as if we're rewarding them. We're sending the message here that, hey, cities, if you just uh, mismanage your municipality and it, and it finds you in a, in a financial pinch, don't worry. We'll just send you gobs of money to bail you out. It's really terrible and uh, not the way to, to run things. That's called rewarding bad behavior. It's terrible. Senator, thank you so much for joining us today. You have a very happy and healthy and Merry Christmas, sir. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right, Jordan. Have a good one, too. You too. We're coming right back on Middays. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We're at Carter Jewelers today. That would be Wham, wouldn't it? Robert? Oh, yeah. George Michael? Yeah. Thought I recognized that. Yeah. So appreciate Senator Polk uh, coming on the program. One thing you've noticed, folks, uh, before I say this, I, I do honestly believe that you could attribute uh, to 
uh, our tribute, excuse me, our surpluses, our very handsome surpluses north of a billion dollars the last couple of years to the enormous amount of federal money injected into the state's economy, all states' economies, as a matter of fact. So while that has produced surpluses for states, including the state of Mississippi, and it has uh, also produced enormous inflation. That's where it came from. When you inject that much money into the economy that you just printed, fabricated, pulled out of thin air, which is exactly what happened, you're going to end up with, of course, lots of goodies, right? We've heard every every mayor we've talked to, every municipal leader, and, and every legislative leader that we've spoken with on the program has talked about ARPA. How many times have we heard that term, ARPA, the American Rescue Plan, Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion boondoggle inked into law early on in his presidency last year. It included funding that went directly to states uh, for them to appropriate in accordance with some guidelines and also direct funding. Lots of money that went to every county, every city in the United States. And they've been busy, as they should, spending that money, investing that money in accordance with those guidelines. But the fact is, that's why we're dealing with 8% inflation. That's the price we're paying for that $1.9 trillion spending bill that, honestly, we can't afford and didn't need. That's exactly what is driving the vast majority of uh, the price you're paying at the grocery store, at the pump, and virtually everything else you buy. It's a major driver of inflation. It is insane to me to think that we have a, a federal government that is about to sign off on a $1.7 trillion discretionary spending bill. $200 billion than last year. And, of course, discretionary spending is split virtually half and half between defense and all the rest of government, the non-defense, so-called non-defense spending that includes the agency complex, the IRS, the EPA, the CDC, the DOJ. Just go down the list of all those agencies. It, it funds all of those agencies and all of their operations, plus just a ton of crazy spending, I'll get to that in a minute, and 7,500, 7,500 earmarks, because uh, those are, are are now legal again. That Of course, that passed into law last year. So it's crazy that we're spending that kind of money when we've got 7 to 8% inflation. That's where it comes from. That's what produces it, is when we just pull it out of the air and, and send it out into the economy, and you got just too many dollars chasing too few goods, that equals inflation. That's just Econ 101. So I want you to you folks to think about it. You've, you've heard this interview, and I'm not being critical here of uh, members of our legislature, municipal leaders, but have you not heard? And, and I'll run it by you, Rhino. Have you not heard every single one of them say, "Yeah, well, we gotta we gotta concern ourselves and deal with this additional spending of the ARPA money"? Oh yeah. Well, they do. It's true. I'm just pointing out <laughs> that's how you end up with 31 trillion dollars of debt. 
that's how you end up with 8% inflation. And and the senator's right. They do have to deal with that. I mean, they're obligated to appropriate that money. But here we go. I would ask those out there that would, uh, how about you, Thomas, in Greenwood? <laughs> I know you fashion yourself as the champion of fiscal responsibility and you would be kind of our most libertarian. I'm gonna gonna describe you as that, and and not in a in a pejorative sense. But should we have refused that 1.8 billion dollars of so-called ARPA money? Should should the state have said, oh, we're not taking it"? Uh, it's a serious question. I don't think anybody would say yes. We should refuse it. Uh, the other 49 states certainly aren't going to do that. Should we do that? But the bigger question is, to our leaders in Washington, when in the hell are you going to stop? Mitch McConnell, Rhino, you've seen it. He is absolutely, he's taking victory laps. He's celebrating. He's euphoric. He's high-fiving with all the senators behind him. Well, we got everything we needed here. it's, It's unprecedented. What a victory this is for the American people. We got this... $80 $80 billion increase in defense spending, and we didn't let those Democrats increase non-defense spending by quite as much. Well, shouldn't we at least question, do we really need the $90 billion of additional defense spending? And given that, that, that defense is a primary constitutional appropriate function of government, well, okay, does it mean we have to give Democrats this massive increase in non-defense spending? Take a listen to some of the stuff that's in that bill, folks. $1.2 million for LGBTQIA plus pride centers and another $1.2 million for support services for DACA recipients, basically helping illegal aliens using taxpayer money. At the San Diego Community College, $477,000 for the Equity Institute in Rhode Island, which essentially is going to be used to indoctrinate teachers with, quote, anti-racism virtual labs. I'm so sick of hearing this term, equity. I just could puke every time I hear it. All I can think about is socialism. All I can think about is Marxism, because that's what it sought, to mold all of us into these little indiscernible, almost inhuman blobs that are just all equal, that have no uh, individual traits, nothing unique. One million for, I kid you not, Zora's house in Ohio, a co-working and community space for women and gender-expansive people of color. Three million for the American LGBTQ plus museum in New York City. I didn't even know there was a museum. Three point six million for a Michelle Obama trail in Georgia. Seven hundred fifty thousand for LGBTQ and gender nonconforming conforming housing in Albany, New York. Two million for the Great Blacks and Wax Museum in Baltimore. Eight hundred fifty six thousand for an LGBT center in New York, and seven hundred fifty k for the Trans Latin at Coalition to provide quote workforce development programs and supportive services for transgender and gender nonconforming and intersex immigrant women in Los Angeles. Serious question. 
What about just plain old normal white males? When do they get anything? They just pay it. They just flip the bill. So it appears at this point that uh, in the Senate now, so it hasn't made its way to the House, but in the Senate that both Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith and Roger Wicker are going to support this, this measure. And I really believe that's because Leader McConnell, who just rules the place with an iron fist, is whipping the votes here. But like Senator Polk, I just learned about this $600 million in emergency funding for water infrastructure projects in Jackson, which will be administered by a third-party manager appointed by the EPA. $600 million in this bill. I'm not happy about this. And, of course, Congressman Benny Thompson, oh, he's got quite the press release already released uh, yesterday uh, talking about the Disaster Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act of 2023 includes $27 billion in emergency funding to respond to the devastation that reached recent natural disasters and extreme weather events have left behind on Jackson. But there's $600 million allocated to address the water crisis in the omnibus appropriations package. This is insanity. We don't have it. This is what causes inflation. This is what runs up the debt. This is crazy. When do we ever say no? We can't afford it. That like that phrase, that statement, it must not exist in Washington. We can't afford it. It doesn't exist. When's the last time you heard anybody say that? So now we have the Republican leader in the United States Senate saying, yeah, I'm happy with this $1.7 trillion bill. This is a victory for the American people. We got what we wanted. And when uh, later on in the program, I'm going to go through the Hall of Fame with respect to top Senate earmarkers in this 2023 bill. We touched on it a bit yesterday. Senator Shelby in Alabama at $656 million. Coming right back with Jay Lake at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Stay with us. Properly set all controls before recording. All systems go. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be Welcome back everyone to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live from Carter Jewelers downtown Jackson. Joining us now, Jay Lake with Carter Jewelers. All right, Jay. Good morning, everybody. Lots of folks coming in here today already. It's going to be a good day for you, I believe. It's a great Christmas this year. Good. Uh, praise God. Good, good. Awesome. All right, tell us what you got going on. You still got a promotion going on. Tell us about that first, huh? Uh, Dad has been going through marking everything down a third time. Uh, so amazing deals. And you, we still have some uh, vacation packages left. Yeah. That includes the airfare for two to Walt Disney, Orlando area, and uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Includes the airfare and hotel for two two people and two nights. 
And how much does uh, a customer have to buy to receive that uh, promotion? Only $1,000. That's incredible. Yeah. 1000 bucks. They do have to pay the taxes and fees, uh, 170 a person. Yep. Uh, and uh, But it's, it's still a great, it's an amazing uh, deal for everybody. And we've been selling a lot of engagement rings, and um, we've, we've been sizing them before Christmas. Okay. Uh, if you if you don't buy it from here, we, we're probably not going to be able to get it done before Christmas. But uh, any uh, necklaces, we have different sizes and lengths, so you, you know, adjust it on your uh, on the chest and uh, bracelets. Lots of Seiko men's watches and uh, st- fine sterling silver. Hmm. Uh, un- you know, it's under hundred dollars and up in the fine sterling silver area. Silver's been rallying too lately, so that's a good investment. Well. If you say so. Yeah, it has been. I believe so, you. Yeah, that's that's good. I prefer diamonds and gold, but. <laughs> uh, all right, so engagement rings, that would indicate folks are planning to get married pretty soon. Yeah, a lot of people are getting married and uh, just uh, combining incomes and combining forces and uh, just godly thing to do to get married instead of just dating for 10 years you know absolutely <laughs> and we uh honestly we need population so we need to propagate once they get married as well so you know elon musk has warned about that he's literally said if you look at kind of the trends there there's some recent surveys indicate that uh only about 40 percent of americans in the childbearing ages of like 29 to 40 say they intend to have a child it's down from about 61 percent a short four years ago i'm not really sure what the reason is for that as there's a lot of speculation a lot of analyses that have been done on that but Overall, it's, it's a true story. So Elon Musk has actually said, we are going to run out of people, have workers. That's what Musk has said. Wow. So we need people to get married and uh, and, and keep the human species going. That's what we need because we need young folks. But Well, we, we can help get you started here make it, make it legal. <laughs> well, that's why we're talking about it. <laughs> exactly. We got gold chains or anything else you need to uh, help uh, attract a a girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> sure. All right, so <laughs> engagement rings, is there anything that is of uh, particularly popular this year? We, um, we've we been doing a lot of custom-made pieces and uh, out of San Diego, California. Their company has won more uh, design awards than any other manufacturer in the world. Uh, they're, they're really, really good. And uh, uh, Beverly K., and uh, they, we use them. We, we have them design our, our pieces. We tell them what we want. And they uh special design, for ex- exclusive for our Carter Jewelers. Hmm. So uh, those have been real popular. And uh, we also started we, we started selling the Lab Created Diamonds. It's a, it's a, it's a diamond. It's grown hmm. above earth. I mean, it's like a... And so, you know, like a pearls, they, they make them in the lake. They put yeah. a little piece of sand in there, and, and it creates the pearl. And they don't have to go find it in the ocean. This is they they create the diamond in a laboratory, and it is a diamond. And it's, it's the exact same properties as a diamond, but the price is is a whole lot less than uh, if you had to go mine it in under the hmm. ground. Interesting. It takes millions of years to grow the natural ones, and they they're able to. They're just not able to produce the uh, lab created ones. Uh, gym quality ones now. Hmm. And, uh, we, we've been those have been real popular. We we almost sold out of those actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the, it, and they're just beautiful. And they 
they last as long and just as hard and all the same properties as a you know natural diamond. So, gotcha. and you can't, no one can tell the difference between them, uh, a jeweler or nobody. You can't. Only we have we have a special uh, test that we can a machine that tests them and it, it can tell whether they're real or not. Hmm. And uh, all right, what about the necklaces? You said that uh, you got a lot of those going out. We got just a few seconds here. What do you think about that? It's going good. Yeah, we got uh, rose gold and uh, yellow gold, uh, pretty popular now, and and still the classic white gold is uh, real, probably still our most popular one. But uh, we got diamonds by the yard, uh, bang, diamond bangles, uh, Florida lees, sapphires, rubies, and uh, many uh, many other stones. There's hundreds of stones that we have in stock right here in the front. Right here in the front, yeah. And um, the journey still popular. Uh, horseshoes, uh, circle of love, all right. All kinds of good. We'll cover it a little bit later on as well. Jay, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you having us here today. And well, folks, Merry Christmas. Same to you, man. We're coming right back from Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson's with Mid- Mitch Tyner. Stay with us. Get ready. Get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at Carter Jewelers today. And joining us now on the line is Mitch Tyner, political analyst, uh, lawyer. Uh, your handle still is Grateful Lawyer, isn't it, uh, Mitch? <laughs> That's right. I am a grateful guy. <laughs> How the heck are you doing, George? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we're just uh, bracing for this uh, frozen weather that's a freezing weather, I should say, that is about to move through the Magnolia State. We were just discussing the forecast. I don't know that I've ever seen the National Weather Service issue a, uh, a threat for, <laughs> is what they're calling it, for the severe cold extreme threat, actually, is the, the way they categorize it. So the top 20, 25 percent, yeah, the northern part. Some, I think we've got, what, five days below freezing uh, here in Mississippi. So that's going to be crazy. tough. I was, I was in the courthouse yesterday and overheard some of the deputy sheriffs calling around trying to find faucet covers, and they were oh, non-existent. Wow. So, I bet, yeah, the, all uh, kinds I of problems. Yeah, it'll be good for the plumbers next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If if you'll be lucky, if you can uh, get one, because you're you're probably right. They're going to be swamped, no doubt about that's that. That's right. Yeah. So, Appreciate uh, you, you calling you in. Done your, you done all your Christmas shopping? I have. I have. I've got. Uh, we've got family Christmas tonight because uh, son Nick and wife Rachel are headed to Texas to be with her family, and Nick was worried about uh, traveling. They were scheduled oh, yeah. to leave on Friday or Saturday, but they're worried about traveling. 
after this weather pulls through and the precipitation falls and concerned about possibly the roads being frozen and iced over so they're they're going to go early to avoid that so we're we're actually celebrating family christmas at at my house tonight and uh then then it'll be julie and i and daughter alex and boyfriend for the christmas holidays but we're looking forward to that good good yeah Looking forward to that. Uh, appreciate you calling in. We, we've been talking this morning about what's going on in Washington. It's kind of business as usual. It's just a, a cluster, honestly, up there. We've got a 4,155-page omnibus budget spending bill, and they, they released this thing yesterday, and they're scheduled to vote on it. Tomorrow, tomorrow, four thousand one hundred and fifty-five. Is that just insane? Uh, I think I think that's one of the qualifications to run for the U.S. Senate or or the House is you must be a speed reader. Exactly, forty-one hundred and fifty-five pages. Obviously, no how way. It, how did it get this absurd, Gerard? I don't know, but I used to think that two thousand was nuts. And we're doing nothing about it. Um, it, so it doesn't help when you've got we. So, you know, I I am I'm not one of those that that uses that name calls and and uses pejoratives and ad hominems when I when I um, show my discontent and displeasure for political leaders. But in this case. The Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, when I saw him stand in front of the nation in a, in a, in a presser yesterday, a press conference, when, when he's flanked, of course, as he always is, by other senators, and he's bragging, boasting about this achievement. It's a record achievement to get this $1.7 trillion bill. It that just doesn't register and add up to me as an accomplishment, uh, given our current financial situation with thirty-one trillion dollars of debt and seven and a half percent or so inflation. How can they brag about this? Uh, it, it is it, it, it's unconscionable, Gerard. Um, I, I think our tax revenue is what about six hundred billion a year. Is is that right? Uh, the total tax revenue to the federal government, yes, yes. it's about $4.1 trillion. And, and to your point there, do you realize that, that that was our spending roughly in 2019? Our tax revenue today, if it were matched with spending levels of 2019, we would have little to no deficit. And, and instead, we have a $1.2 trillion deficit projected with this spending bill they're about to uh, to enact. So when you're in a hole, just keep digging. Exactly. That's exactly what's happening. I, I just I mean, can't the, imagine how he can brag about it. The, yeah, and the reality is uh, this, this deficit spending is printed money which contributes to inflation. Correct. Um, exactly right. And, it's, that's, that's not an easy concept. I mean, everybody that's out there trying to work it and trying to make a living, I don't think they realize that, that we're just printing the money. I say printing, we're, we're creating it out of thin air. That's exactly and, and what's that, happening. Um, it's, it's really heartbreaking, and I, I wish I had the answers of changing it, but uh, to your point, I mean, the fact that 
the Republican leadership in the in the Senate is bragging about it is is sickening. You know something else that uh, is not being discussed that's also included in this uh, bill, Mitch, is a hundred billion dollars of tax cuts and those cuts, pardon me, tax increases, tax increases, and those come in the form of reducing the deduction for capital uh, expense and uh, the accelerated depreciation that's immediate expense. That goes from a hundred percent to 80% next year. That was a that was a Trump era policy part of the tax cuts and jobs act. Now it's being phased out uh, wow. in order to get it through reconciliation under Trump and there's no move, no discussion on the part of Republicans to preserve that. So that goes down as does the R&D credit provisions as well. It it amounts to about 100 billion dollars of tax increases. I thought we Republicans were for tax cuts and opposed tax increases. Right. Where's Mitch McConnell on this? I mean, that's a, you know, that's such a smoke and mirrors issue as well. Um, and, and just for the listening audience, you spend a million dollars, so your business spends a million dollars uh, on a piece of infrastructure, and you can't, you can't deduct that when you spend it. And so exactly. you have... You have phantom profits on which you have to pay taxes. And so they're just, exactly it's right. just a game that they're playing. And so taking away that, that deduction is huge. Um, it's, it is a tax increase. It's a tax. It's in effect. It is a tax increase, and it is not being discussed whatsoever. And I, and I just don't get it. Uh, again, I thought Republicans were uh, opposed to tax increases, and would hold the line on that. But there doesn't seem to be any appetite to do so once they put that into practice in the form of this uh, omnibus spending that bill. That should be a non nonpartisan issue. Um, exactly. Because the whole. The whole country thrives when when industry thrives. No doubt. No uh, doubt. That's not so something or, or Democrat. Exactly. Something else we discussed with Senator John Polk, State Senator John Polk, in the last uh, hour, uh, Mitch, is this bill also includes $600 million to the city of Jackson for water infrastructure. $600 million. And uh, Congressman Benny Thompson has already issued a, a, a press release uh, really, again, boasting about that. It's not that it maybe the city doesn't need $600 million to correct their water problems. It's that they're the ones that created the problems, and now we're bailing them out. We're essentially sanctioning bad behavior, bad government, and incompetence. Absolutely. Well, and along that line, just to, as a one-off, ultimately it was water issues that forced me to move my business out of Jackson. Wow. Um, we were we were on the interstate in Jackson for 20, 20 years, and our water bill was normally about fifty dollars a quarter, and then we started getting nine hundred dollars oh, water see. bills, and uh, and then Phil Moore, who is a super good guy, uh, has the Buick dealership next door, and they've been yep. wanting to buy my property, so I finally I finally gave up, and I was like. Phil, it's time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I know exactly where you were, and uh, no Phil. Phil's a good guy uh, as yeah, well. But it's it's crazy guy. that that you have to deal with that in business. You should well, just, and that was the problem. That's a, I mean, when we started dealing with the water department, who's located at Metro Center, then we they won't answer the phone. 
So we started writing certified letters, and the response mm. was a photocopy saying, we've reviewed your bill, and it's accurate. That, that's their response. And oh, so my first, gosh. The first time I said, <laughs> well, just pay it. It's not worth sending an employee all the way out to Metro Center to spend half a day yep. to, to get this taken care of. And it went back to normal for six or eight months, and then it started happening again. And that's when I just gave up. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's so crazy. I hate to hear and see stuff like that. Mitch, appreciate you calling yeah. in and joining us, and always enjoy your perspective. You have a, a great, happy, healthy, safe, Merry Christmas. Thank you, man. Same to you. Merry Christmas, Gerard. Talk again. Coming right back on Midday. Stay with us. We're at Carter Jewelers. Again. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Come, they told me, a newborn king to see, ba-rum-ba-bum-bum. Our finest gifts we bring, ba-rum-ba-bum-bum. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We're at Carter Jewelers today. Come on down and see us. We're in downtown Jackson. The selection is magnificent. The deals are great. The folks here are friendly. They're knowledgeable. They'll They'll take care of you. They'll hook you up. Come on down, make your selections, make your purchases, and leave happy. So, Donnie from Pike County says, Cindy Hyde-Smith and Roger Wicker also voted for it. What has happened to our Republican leadership? Yeah, they uh, thus far uh, believe that all we've had is a procedural vote, so I don't think the final uh, bill has been voted for. But both have indicated their support. And it took this procedural vote on Tuesday. That was after the 4,100-page bill was released in the pre-dawn hours, and that's in an attempt to eat to excuse me meet the end-of-week deadline. The chamber will need buy-in from all the senators to get the procedural vote done and across the finish line. But the big thing is we're running out of money. Uh, we, we passed, you remember, we reported this, a, a continuing resolution called a CR for short. And all that really does, folks, it just continues spending at the existing level, that level uh, being determined by the most recently passed spending bill that essentially funds the discretionary aspects of government. So uh, just a quick reminder, there's mandatory, there's discretionary. Mandatory includes security, Medicare, Medicaid, a number of of, uh, government uh, welfare programs, government aid programs, and debt interest. That's about 70% of the total tab, and then the other 30% comes in the form of what's called discretionary spending. That has to be voted on, appropriated by the Congress uh, every year. It is not automatic. It is not on autopilot. It is not statutory. And, and so that's deliberated. It should be done, in my view, in accordance with regular order, 
which means we would get 12 separate independent spending bills to fund the various functions of government that are discretionary, such as defense, the Department of Justice, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, the centers, the Center for Medicare, Medicaid Services, etc. The Department of Health and Human Services, uh, uh, Human Services, I think is what it's called, incorporates those functions. Uh, but that's not how we do it. We stick all this in one big giant 4100 monstrosity of a bill that nobody, of course, reads. It just came out Tuesday. We don't have speed readers sitting in uh, Congress. In fact, I often wonder, do they read any of this stuff? But their um, minority leader, Mitch McConnell, is uh, ready to go on vacation. He's trying to get them all out of there, and that's literally what they push them on. you got to vote for all this. you got to vote, because if you don't, we're not going to fund the government. And if the government shuts down, you're, you're at home on vacation for the holidays. That's going to be a big old problem. And so it's, and also Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he's warning about the snowstorm, the weather coming up. Literally said that on the floor. We need to do this sooner than Friday. I hope no senator stands in the way of us finishing our work here. The clock is ticking, says Schumer, because of the weather. So now he's invoking weather. That's a reason to just just sign this thing and worry about it later. It's only $1.7 trillion. It does appear that both of our senators are in support. They did vote uh, on the procedural measure on Tuesday. They voted uh, yay to support that. We'll see what the final vote comes to from our senators with respect to this $1.7 trillion Bill, I hope they vote against it. I do know that Senator Wicker, according to what is being reported, does support the $607 million that would be uh, sent to the city of Jackson, designated for the city of Jackson. That would be for the city's water infrastructure. $607 million. I was just shocked when I saw this, i got to tell you. And Congressman Benny Thompson, of course, looking at his press release, looking at it right now, and he says, I'm looking forward to voting for the complete omnibus package. I am proud to support the $600 million that will be included in the bill to help Jackson, Mississippi. In addition to the $600 million, Jackson will also receive additional funding from the omnibus bill, which I look forward to voting for on Thursday, December the 22nd, is what he's saying. So... I just don't get how you could brag about producing a $1.2 trillion deficit. It, I mean, I, I kind of relate that to the private sector. That's tantamount to saying, yeah, we had a great year. We only lost $1.2 trillion. It's the same thing, in my view, which is why I wholeheartedly believe we need a more businesslike approach in running our government. Because you just can't produce deficits, losses like that, spending in excess of revenue, perpetually, perennially. And that's what it seems like we're doing. I just don't see why we, why somebody doesn't stand up and say no. I will give it to Rand Paul. He has been the only one, the most outspoken opponent 
of this monstrosity. And he has called for regular order and use of the PAYGO rule that they all agreed to in 2010, which basically says that you can't increase spending without offsetting revenue or spending cuts elsewhere. We're not doing that. They're going to waive it once again. Tom in Lumberton on the ceasefire text line says, if we keep voting for senators who vote for this fiasco, do we get what we deserve? Let's see. What are you saying here, Mose? Mose, are you giving blood today? It's that time again. Give the gift of life. He sent a photo. Good for you, Mose. Appreciate that. Appreciate that for sure. Be sure and report how Mississippi's two senators voted on this. We certainly will at this point. I have no reason to believe they won't vote uh, in favor of this. I can assure you that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is whipping that vote, and he is really pressuring all of his senators, all of his conference, to vote in favor of this boondoggle. I have no doubt about that. And looking at the, again... At the earmarks, 7,500 pet projects in this bill. Senator Shelby in Alabama, $656 million. Senator Inhofe of Oklahoma, $511 million. Senator Murkowski of Alaska, $490 million. So that is a billion and a half, a billion and a half, going to the states, represented by those three Republican senators, they topped the list, the top ten recipients of earmarks in the Senate, states they represent, eight of those are Republicans. The top three are Republicans, Alabama, Oklahoma, Alaska, coming in in fourth is Senator Hirono and Schatz from Hawaii at $422 million. And then Senator Blunt of Missouri, Graham of South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, 350 252 respectively. On down the list, Leahy of Vermont, another Democrat, and then Republican Cassidy in Louisiana, <laughs> Collins and King of Maine, uh, Collins of Republican, King, a Democrat, $200 million. And then Senator Moran of Kansas, 195, a Republican. So eight of the top ten, eight of the top ten, unbelievable, $5.3 billion in earmarks compared to nearly $2.5 billion for non-appropriators. These are, these are folks that serve on these, these committees that appropriate federal money. 7500 and nine earmarks totaling $16 billion. This is just unbelievable that this is the way we run the government. And I just say once again, when do we ever say we cannot afford it? We don't have the money. And what's really crazy about this, and we touched on it on the program earlier, uh, or late last week, I should say, we've got the Fed, Jerome Powell, raising rates to curb inflation, to tame inflation, and all that really does is reduce demand. We got the government, from a fiscal perspective, pumping money into the economy, which just counteracts Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's interest rate increases. It's insanity. 
it's it's just like they're in a tug of war. Coming right back with more at Carter Jewelers on midday. Stay with us. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. That was Judy Garland, wasn't it, Rhino? Oh, yeah, from Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah. From sometime in the 40s, probably, right? When she was kind of in her prime. Uh, I want to say it was 44. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Of course... Every time you see or hear Judy Garland, you always uh, you always think about the Wizard of Oz. I do. Oh yeah. I, I don't. It's kind of hard to not um, Dorothy. You know, you can't. You just that's just her character. It's just one of those deals where every time until he died, and even today, if you see Charlton Heston, he's Moses, right? You just <laughs> can't shake that. I guess once they play in these marquee roles like that, it, it just kind of sticks with them it's like they were just built for that particular role and it kind of hangs around them but that's fine it's good those were incredible performances and they should be uh they and i'm sure they were very proud of that great entertainment still fun to watch to this day i saw the wizard of oz like two weeks ago was channel surfing and it was on it i just always stop and watch it although i've probably seen it 500 times kind of like the godfather I just have to watch The Godfather over and over again. Never gets tired, never gets old. You've seen that, haven't you? Oh, yeah. The trilogy, incredible. But the first one still kind of sticks out. Yeah, I didn't care very much for the third one. But the the first one is excellent, and the second one might be the only time a sequel was as good or maybe even arguably better than the first. Okay. I would agree with you. I'd say as good. The third one was weak. Yeah. Uh what was her name, Sophie, that was, um, was that uh, uh, the director or the producer's daughter, right? Right, Sophia recall. Coppola. She, yeah, Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola. T- uh, she was terrible. <laughs> she just was. Her acting was just terrible, I thought. The story wasn't bad, but the, just the acting didn't measure up, certainly to the first and the second. And I've been known to, by the way, pop in the the um, Godfather DVDs on Christmas, just to kind of veg out by myself. I've done that before as well. Always fun. I like to watch that in the final episode of MASH. Was that Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, I think was the title of it. I remember watching that when it was broadcast um, in primetime, I think 1983, if I'm not mistaken. And I was living in, in Baton Rouge at the time, 
And I remember watching that. It was just incredible. Still riveting. Still way up there, is it not, in terms of the number of viewers? Oh, yeah. It's still in the top ten. It's got a couple. It's got actually eight Super Bowls ahead of it. But it's ahead of every other Super Bowl. Wow. And it's sitting at nine on the the top 25, 30 list here on the uh, most watched. It had a hundred... And 5,970,000 people tune in for Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, the final episode of MASH. And that was 1983. 1983. So, yeah, and that is so well done and and such a great culmination and and just sort of perfect. I mean, it just really was perfect ending to what was a fantastic series. I still believe the best television primetime series of all time. It, when you look at just the total package of of writing and directing and acting and characters and story and so forth, just truly unbelievable. Darren and Jackson says, leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> take the gun, leave the cannoli. <laughs> he had it both ways. Yeah, famous line. Lots of famous lines in that deal. Jeff on the C Spire text line says, we need some true conservatives to represent Mississippi and Washington, D.C. Well, it's, it remains to be seen on this spending bill, right? This, this particular omnibus spending bill, I think, is a travesty. It's an abomination. It's $1.7 trillion. I, it just is a head-scratcher when you consider, once again, that we're $31 trillion in debt, that we are experiencing ridiculously high inflation brought about by this infusion of money from the federal government and here we are infusing more into it i mean it's obviously fueling the fire of inflation i don't understand it i don't understand republicans in the senate i i'm confident i feel good about the posture in the house i just have a better feeling about that and and so what they're going to argue is, well, we just didn't have a choice. We didn't want to shut the government down. That's horse hockey. They could agree to a continuing resolution, just as they did last week, which which extended funding for the government for a week. And the only reason they agreed to that was so that they could hammer out this goofy $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that, they, uh, that they want to pass before they go home. They could... They could no doubt they could agree to a continuing resolution. It only takes 41 Republican senators to observe, enforce regular order, pass a continuing resolution bill, push this thing into next year when the new Republican-controlled House uh, takes over, and then let's hammer out, let's deliberate, let's go to regular order, and negotiate 12 separate spending bills. That's the way this is supposed to work. That's regular order. Who could be opposed to regular order? That means you're in favor of the opposite of regular order, which is chaos, which is what's in a 4,155-page goofy spending bill. And that's exactly what we have. The uh, this this bill, by the way, just some other things you guys may want to be aware of. And and if you think I'm dwelling on this too much, I, I understand. And I, I would just 
I can see how you would say that because I have spent a lot of the program this week talking about it. I don't know that there's anything else that affects your life more than this. Than this. Like it or not, money and your household finances are critical or important drive the quality of life. They just do. I wish that weren't the case, but it is. It's reality. It's facing stark, blatant reality. And this sort of behavior in the U.S. Senate is affecting your life more than anything else. You've heard everyone from the state legislature come on and say, yep, number one priority is spending more of the ARPA money. You don't really hear anything else. You're not expecting a lot. And that's fine. And so there's not a whole lot to talk about there. What's really in our face right now is this monstrosity, this atrocity of this spending bill continues the same bad behavior that got us $31 trillion in debt, that got us 8% inflation, that got us $4 gas. It is unbelievable, and and it seems like the only thing the Republicans in the Senate care about is parity between defense spending and non-defense spending. And there's also, by the way, some money tucked into this thing uh, for disaster relief for states hit by hurricanes, droughts, and wildfires, much of which that goes to the individual states and locations exceeds the amount of the damage. Think about that. There's also increases for food stamps, heating assistance, Pell Grants, Head Start, $25 million boost for the National Labor Relations Board, which is nothing but a mouthpiece for unions and does nothing but harass and attack business. There's 30% increase for the Child Care and Development Block Grant Program. And they want to make that, the Democrats do, a permanent universal entitlement. And Republicans are boasting, I saw Mitch McConnell do this, boasting about cutting $275 million from the IRS's annual budget. But folks, that is nothing. That's a drop in the bucket compared to the $80 billion dollars the agency will, will receive from passage of Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, a fraudulently named, named piece of legislation. So they're bragging about cutting $275 million and say nothing and do nothing about the $80 billion that's going to this agency, the IRS, so they can come after you to shake you down. The overall discretionary spending pot of money also includes, like we said, $16 billion in earmarks. And Senate Appropriations Vice Chair, who only got that because of his seniority, Richard Shelby, he tops the list, as we said, but he's retired. He doesn't care. Scorched earth. Hey, send all this money to my buddies in Alabama, and they'll take care of me and my family once I'm out of the Senate here. we got more to discuss on this, because there's more that we need to talk about. We're coming right back with uh, Jay Lake here at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson.
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey kids, you know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Yeah! Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer! Had a very shiny nose You would even say it glows. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are at Carter Jewelers live in downtown Jackson today. We've got Jay Link with Carter Jewelers now on the program. Jay? George? Busy morning. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Thanks Same for having you. me. Uh, we got a great promotion right now. Tickets to fly with any purchase of a thousand dollars or more to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, or Orlando, Disney World area. Uh, really, really good deal, and we have financing available. I forgot to tell you about that. Yeah, last time. talk about that. Uh, you don't have to have good credit or no credit; just just a bank account. Okay. Any kind, anybody with a bank account, a local bank account, you're probably going to get approved uh, for for a ninety day program. And uh, is, is a lease to own. If you if you took your, uh, whatever for whatever reason, we don't ask. But uh, if you do have good credit, we can get you eighteen months interest free financing. Wow, no money down, same as cash. And uh, and then you get the uh, vacation as well. And uh, Dad has gone through and done third markdowns and everything. He uh, just really trying to push a sell on this jewelry uh, engagement rings. We got more. Lots of engagement rings and, and uh, custom-made designer pieces, all different shapes. Princess cut, oval, round, uh, heart. We even have heart shape, uh, hmm. emerald cut. They call that the country club cut. It, mm-hmm. does, it doesn't sparkle mm-hmm. quite as much as the other ones, but uh, it's still pretty. And a uh, lo- huge selection of bangles, uh, gold bangles, diamond bangles, uh, silver bangles, Yellow gold crosses. We got a whole case of different crosses: yellow gold and, and white gold. Hmm. Uh, we're in the Bible Belt, so uh, praise sure. God. We uh, we sell lots of crosses and uh, earrings. We got a huge selection of lab created earrings, which uh, is the same is the same as the, the diamond ones, except for the price is a whole lot lower. Maybe uh, 30 percent or more. Maybe fifty percent off. Uh, but, uh, yeah, come check it out, and uh, we'll gift wrap it. We can size it all on site and uh, do everything. We'll f- full-service jewelry store, basically. You know, we can take the links out of your watches. If you buy a watch here, we can go ahead and fit your, fit your wrist. You don't, you know, uh, we do it all here. Tighten your stone. Anything you need, we can, we can get it done. What about... Uh Pear-shaped diamonds. Are those still popular, Jim? Yes. I forgot about the pear. <laughs> yeah, because you talked about the emerald, and I know that's that's been a perennial favorite, but the pear shapes are kind of unique. They're kind of cool. Yeah, if you want something different, you go with pear. And we have, we've got a good selection of pear. I just set one up in a white gold halo mounting with uh, diamonds down the sides of it. Yeah. Really pretty. And uh, we, we made it where you can fit a band up on it. Flush. We, we made them so uh, on both. You actually do it on both sides if you want, even in the pear diamond. So uh, we custom made them like that. I got you. 
It, do you uh, do you think a lot of folks are getting married soon after Christmas, or are they getting married over the Christmas holidays? What are they telling you when they come shopping for engagement sets? Uh, we we do sell the most uh, engagement rings during Christmas time. Yeah, and uh, they usually most people they say get married after about a year and a half to two years of uh, engagement. Okay, and uh, then they I don't know when they get Christmas or Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, but we do sell the most during Christmas time. Okay. Uh, I wondered about reason. that because I know when we're here uh, for Valentine's Day that uh, usually there's a, a lot of activity and, and sales activity, right, with in, engagement rings and so forth. That's right. That's yeah. right. But Christmas uh, is bigger. Yeah. Well, it's one day. Uh, tomorrow will be about one month in the summertime of business, actually. Wow. So tomorrow. Like, so it's like three three months and one three days. <laughs> You know, and, and what are the hours, Jay? We're normally open uh, ten to six Monday through Friday, yeah, and then ten to five on Saturday. But during Christmas, we'll open up a little early and, uh, and stay a little later, usually around nine, or stay up until like six or seven. Okay, but until the last customer leaves. Yeah, and uh, but uh, we still got a few vacations left. Uh, airfare for two is a really great deal, and uh, you got to get that. And, and it comes with a three-star hotel for two people, two nights, three days. And uh, it's a travel agency. You can upgrade, extend your stay, pretty much do anything you want with the travel agency. You know, if it doesn't meet your – you can change the days. They have certain days you can go on and, uh, according to availability. And you got to pay the taxes. Taxes and fees are 170 per person. you got to pay that up front, and they'll, the travel agency will call you back in about a week or two. And uh, schedule your uh, vacation. Heck of a deal. thousand bucks gets you that. That's it. That's incredible. That's incredible. And you were telling me uh, uh, the last time you were on earlier today, your dad's been marking down some more as well, right? Yeah, he's gone through, and uh, some, of them, some of them are too low, in my opinion. Way too low, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's his story. So. Do you tell him that? <laughs> yeah, I try. <laughs> I'm, I'm betting it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, Jay. We'll talk to you in the next hour. All right. We're stepping aside for a break right here. Super Talk News, Fox News coming your way. When we return on middays, Thomas Gregory, Executive Director of Mississippi Main Street Association. Please stay with us. We're at Carter Jewelers, and we're coming right back. And now, another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Joining us now, Thomas Gregory, Executive Director of Mississippi Main Street Association. Thomas, welcome to Middays. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. So tell our audience exactly what is Mississippi Main Street. What do you guys do? Yeah, we are a statewide nonprofit organization that provides training and, and resources and services and support for our local Main Street programs all across the state of Mississippi. We have 48 uh, local Main Street communities, uh, you know, from DeSoto County all the way down to the Gulf Coast, the Delta the Hills. There's no part of the state that's not covered. Um, our, our 
mission is to be a catalyst for preservation and economic revitalization in our historic downtown districts. Um, so we're working every day uh, all across the state to um, help revitalize our downtowns, to create uh, a hub of activity in our communities uh, that helps create jobs, creates opportunities for businesses to form and expand um, and work into attract private and public investment into our communities so that um, our, our communities can be great places to live and work uh, and visit. Now, the Mississippi Main Street Association is actually part of the Mississippi Development Authority, MDA. Is that correct? Well, we received some funding uh, from the state that gets um, passed through to us through MDA. We are a standalone 501c3 nonprofit, but MDA has been our uh, biggest supporter um, and partner since we were founded in 1984. There were three um, entities that came together almost 40 years ago to start our state Main Street program, and MDA was one of them, along with Archives and History and um, the Small Town Center at Mississippi State University. Okay. So, yes, we, we, we work very closely with uh, our partners at MDA. And so it's part of your work to revitalize downtown areas, Main Street areas. Are you working with municipal leaders, mayors, and, and boards, et cetera? Absolutely. So uh, the way Main Street works at the local level, it's typically um, a separate entity with its own local board of directors and its own local executive director. Um, but it's always in partnership with the municipality. So we work very closely with the mayors in our Main Street communities and the you know, city councils and the boards of aldermen um, because they provide uh, support and partnership, uh, you know, to revitalize the downtowns. Um, Main Street sort of is a, uh, a neutral ground between the public and the private sector, bringing all the partners to the table uh, to achieve sustained revitalization. So uh, our mayors are, are very close partners with all of our local programs. And we uh, do a lot of work with the Mississippi Municipal League and provide training on community development and downtown revitalization. So uh, absolutely, our, our local municipalities are very close partners. Okay. So in a, would a typical situation be that maybe there's a, a building, a structure that is presently not occupied and there is a, a business that is con- considering setting up shop in that particular building. Would you guys get involved in that process? Absolutely. Our, our local Main Street directors would typically be the, the first point of contact for somebody who was uh, looking to start a business in the downtown. Uh, our Main Street directors have the, the local knowledge of the spaces that are available and uh, you know who owns them and what the lease rates are. Uh, so one of the things that our local Main Street programs do really well is match available buildings to potential business ideas uh, so that we can get viable businesses in our downtowns to create a, a vibrant business mix um, that is attractive to folks who want to, uh, you know, come downtown and shop and um, spend some money. Yeah. And I certainly uh, didn't mean to overlook the possibility that it could be, uh, as you indicated, a new business that's looking to construct some sort of new facility, new physical facility. That's right. Um, you know, most of our downtowns in Mississippi are historic, and so, um, you know, historic preservation is a huge part of the work that our programs do, but oftentimes, uh, for one reason or another, there may be a vacant site in a downtown, whether it's a building that uh, burned years ago or was torn down because of neglect. Um, we see a lot of infill development in our downtowns, and, of course, our Main Street programs will always work to make sure that that new development 
is compatible with, you know, the older historic architecture, but, uh, you know, new, new construction in our downtowns often provides a wonderful opportunity, um, you know, not only for businesses, but we like to see uh, residential uses in the upper floors, um, you know, people living downtown and maybe a loft apartment type situation. So, um, you know, that mix of uses really brings uh, activity and vibrancy into our, our downtowns in Mississippi. You know, uh, Thomas, in, in hosting the show, I've had the, the pleasure of uh, visiting and setting up the show in many of these uh, smaller communities in the downtown areas, which are, are historic, and, and much of those those buildings and those streets were, were constructed and developed decades ago. Uh, but in, in many of these towns, or it just seems like they're working feverishly to preserve, as you said, to preserve that and to and to maintain the, the vitality of those areas. They've all got great stories to tell, but sometimes it's a little difficult just getting the word out. Do you guys help them promote that? That's one of the big things that we do at the state level is to help promote our our local Main Street uh, communities. Um, of course, they're doing it themselves, uh, you know, on the ground promoting promoting their town. But we do it at the statewide level as well. Uh, and I know the Mississippi Tour Guide just came out. Um, and if you'll you know thumb through it, you'll see a, a two page spread that we took out um, as an advertisement to promote all of our our, mm-hmm. our 48 Main Street communities and all the wonderful things that are going and that's just an example of one of the ways that uh, our organization at the state level helps support uh, and promote all of our, our main street communities even though they're they're doing that work individually themselves as well sure sure yeah and sometimes uh, i suspect that they could kind of uh, benefit from uh, just feeding on each other that it's just it's all part of just attracting uh, people businesses etc to expand in or or just to take up residence or launch a new business in mississippi that's right our our um keep referring to our local directors but you know we're sort of like a big family and they all um you know network with each other they know each other really well and they pass ideas back and forth um yeah. one of the i think values of being a part of mississippi main street is the network that we have uh, so that our directors can learn from each other and, and share ideas and um you know we're all we're all working to make mississippi the best state that it can be and um you know we're not in competition with each other so it's, it's a collaboration that we're fostering across the state yeah and keeping these these downtown areas these main street areas keeping them uh just at at, in tip-top shape that goes a long way towards attracting tourists into our states into these communities which of course is critical to the economy Absolutely. And, and, you know, visitors play an important role in the life of our downtowns, and, and we see the work that we do as sort of creating the destination that, that tourists and visitors want to come into a place and experience. Um, you know, without a vibrant downtown and a vibrant retail shopping mix, um, you know, there's not much for a tourist to come in and see and do. So uh, we, we see our role in the, the tourism picture as really developing and creating uh, a destination that a tourist would want to experience uh, so that when they get to one of our communities, there's, uh, you know, restaurants to eat at and places to shop and, hopefully, you know, places to spend the night and other experiences that they can enjoy uh, while they're in town. 
Yeah. You know something I, I've noticed just in, in my travels, again, hosting the show in these various communities across the state, the, the people in those towns, not just the municipal leaders, but just the, the business leaders, the civic leaders, the residents, incredibly proud of their communities and very passionate about it. And I think when outsiders, those from other states, maybe businesses that are considering expanding into the area, I've got to believe, Thomas, that just the, the quality of the people and, and, and their passion about their communities resonates and perhaps influences them maybe more than some of the other physical aspects of a community do. I agree. I think our, our human uh, capital is probably our biggest asset in, in the state of Mississippi. We've got so many wonderful people that are you know, working hard to make their hometowns great. And, um, yeah, I think when people come to Mississippi from elsewhere, especially if they're not from the south, the southern hospitality really um, you know, touches them in a way and, and really impresses them. Um, you know, we're, we're warm and welcoming and uh, inviting and, and inclusive. So um, I couldn't agree with you more. It's uniquely Mississippi. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And and it's no matter where you go, I, that's kind of the one common thread. You know, it, obviously it's different when you're on the coast of Mississippi than it is when you're in the Delta, for example. It's just different different cultures and different landscape. But that seems to be the one common thread. That's right. Um, I, I've actually got my in-laws in town for Christmas. They're from uh, the West Coast out of Oregon. Uh, every time they come to town, they are just... Uh, enthralled by the number of people that stop and say hello to them on the sidewalk, people that they meet in the grocery store. It's um, it, it, you just won't find that type of uh, hospitality, you know, anywhere else. Totally agree. It's an asset, and I think we do well to promote it, to, to accentuate it, to highlight it, and I think we will all benefit from that. Thomas Gregory, Executive Director of the Mississippi Main Street Association, has been our guest. Appreciate you coming on. Merry Christmas. Have a great holiday, Thomas. Appreciate it. Same to you. We're coming right back with more here on Middays. We're in Carter Jewelers. Stay with us. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hang all in the I'm gonna get to know you better. This Christmas and as we train tree how much fun it's gonna be together this we are back on middays we're at carter jewelers today just a few days away from christmas and it falls on a sunday interestingly enough uh, this year i believe i saw rhino where it'll be 11 years until Christmas and New Year's land on a Sunday again. You seen that? I think that's right. Oh, yeah. We had uh, Sunday Christmases in 2005, 2011, 2016, and now again in 2022. But it won't happen again until 2033. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, 11 years. It's, just, it's a little odd. It's a little unique. Ben from Madison on the ceasefire text line, referring back to our conversation with Senator Polk early, and I just want to state that, for the record, I, I certainly didn't mean to misrepresent the Senate's stance. I honestly didn't know, Rhino, that the Senate actually passed a bill, a measure, according to Senator Polk, with uh, no dissents, 52 to 0, a measure that, that uh, would... Uh, provide for uh, 
a citizen-initiated ballot measure process, but that uh, particular measure that passed the Senate had a higher threshold for signatures required, signatures from the public, from voters, to uh, get it certified with the Secretary of State and on the ballot. So I, I have always, I guess, said that we got a bill out of the House that went to the Senate, didn't get any traction. I guess that's technically true. The House bill didn't get any traction. I'll be honest, I didn't know. So I take responsibility for that. I did not know that the Senate passed its own version. Uh, it just had a higher uh, vote, uh, pardon me, signature threshold. And and also, Ben from Madison says, and I appreciate it, Ben. He says, for the record, I never thought you misrepresented the stance the Senate took on the initiative process. You've been pretty clear from the beginning. It came down to the signature requirements, and I have, and I appreciate that. I, I just, I think, perhaps I misspoke in saying the Senate didn't take it up. The Senate did not act on on this. And and I was referring to the fact that the House, when it transmitted its version of the bill to the Senate, it is true. That did not get any traction in the Senate. But the Senate had other ideas. So I guess the bottom line is the Senate and the House have, have different positions on uh, this particular measure, on this particular issue. The Senate believes that more signatures should be collected in order to certify measure uh, that is is initiated by citizens to place on the ballot for voting by citizens that uh, would essentially create or amend statute in the state of Mississippi with some other nuances in that as well, restrictions on what the legislature could do once such a measure passed, how they could amend it and other uh, authority they may have and and uh, perhaps amending it if it's a situation that could could uh, be really detrimental, especially to the f- uh, financial situation for the state. But I appreciate you pointing that out, Ben. And again, I apologize if I, I misrepresented that. Uh, certainly wasn't any intention. Bottom line is we didn't get a a bill passed. I felt like, as I still do, that was unfinished business from the 2022 legislative session, and I still think that the vast majority of Mississippians would like to see something get enacted, and I think most probably, and I'm just speculating here, it's just it's uh, just anecdotal observation, I think most believe the signature threshold should either be consistent with the present requirement, which is what the House did, or maybe somewhere between the House and the Senate's version, which which called for a much higher number of signatures. So enough on that. Just wanted to clarify and appreciate the note there, uh, Ben. He also points out that Rand Paul's rendition of Twas the Night Before Christmas was funny. Give it a listen. You haven't heard it. He posted it in his Twitter yesterday. Appreciate that as well, Ben. I certainly will do. Robert and Brandon says, Gerard, the spending bill is just further proof that today's elected Republicans are not conservatives. You know, and I, I don't want to get into the what's a conservative and what's not. I hear you, Robert, and I, and I tend to agree with you. I'm certainly disappointed that this thing looks like it's going to go through the Senate. It doesn't make any sense to me that we're increasing taxes and we've got this this these seventy five hundred earmarks, all this money going to all these special pet projects. We listed those out earlier. Uh, that it's two hundred billion dollars than last year's. 
that there just doesn't seem to be any desire to observe the regular order rules and invoke the PAYGO provision of regular order, uh, that there are tax increases as well embedded in this bill. All that to me is just, I mean, why do we need Republicans? we got Democrats to do that for us, right? So uh, it's, it's a problem, and I'm incredibly disappointed going to keep harping on it. Mike in Gulfport says, just called Senator Wicker and Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith's office in D.C. asking for a no vote, in all caps, no vote on on the spending debacle. All should do so. Well, I applaud you, Mike, for putting your money where your mouth is there, calling the senators if you uh, have serious reservations about a measure that it appears they're poised to vote in favor of when you express yourself like that and add your voice to the mix i think that is the way the process should work joe and meridian says i thank you for all of the information facts on all the things that affect our lives the more i hear it becomes so frustrating to know of the waste and lack of accountability that elected representatives take part part in i agree with you joe and, and let's be honest it starts with uh, funding the government with a 4,100-page bill. That just unto itself is lunacy when you think about it. One that gets released on Tuesday and is expected to be voted on by tomorrow no later than Friday. That's lunacy. That that just should not be the way we run things here uh, in this in this country. William in Greenville says, you know, gee, I knew Roger Ricker was a rhino, and I wondered how long it would take before Senator Smith became one. Now I know. And and certainly this whole uh, acronym rhino, Republican in name only, I, I think what's even more at stake, William, is what exactly do we stand for as Republicans? And I, that's been called into question, and I think that's become a bit fuzzy. I always thought we opposed tax increases, and it's just fundamental because Lord knows the Democrats never met a tax they didn't favor. And and some may argue that this really technically isn't a tax increase, but I'm sorry, it technically is when when you're allowing R&D credit provisions to expire. And this is just part of the gummed up, ridiculously complicated tax code that we have and uh, some of the other provisions as well that that apply specifically to corporations with respect to expensing capital investment and immediate expensing of that, accelerated depreciation as it is called. Just wait till we get into 2025 when the Trump tax cuts for individuals expire. Just wait and see what that looks like, we're really going to find out uh, where folks stand, I think, on what's important from a fiscal responsibility and a conservative perspective. I say let's double it. If this is good for America, then doubling it would be twice as good, right? How long can we circle the bowl, that two on the ceasefire uh, tax line? Uh, also on the ceasefire text line, so so often, Rhino, you know, I, I've made this point that we got 100 senators and 435 members of the House, and they're all in there lobbying for the largesse of the government, right? Send it home to my home state, and I'll be a hero because of uh, all this money that I've uh, been able to uh, get from the federal government pouring into my state. 
right? And I'll be thought of very highly and, and regarded as one that went to Washington to fight for the best of my state. Well, when they all do that, you end up with $31 trillion of debt. You end up with $1.2 trillion deficits. That is exactly what is happening here. And here is a text on the ceasefire text line that says... Mississippi stands to gain from this omnibus. $6 million for a grant library at Mississippi State and $600 million for Jackson Water. This is good. We should take the money, exclamation point. So my response was, so you're not worried about debt, inflation, and what will be massive corruption in spending? Are you okay, for example, with... $1.2 million for LGBTQIA plus pride senators and $1.2 for support services for DACA recipients, which just helps illegal aliens with taxpayer money, going specifically to San Diego Community College for such uh, efforts. You're okay with that? And that person may come back, hasn't responded, may say, well, no, I'm not okay with that. See, here's the problem. You don't get $6 million for a grant library at MSU and $600 million for Jackson Water unless you also agree to all these special pet projects from all the other members of the Senate. That's exactly what I've been saying. You just perfectly illustrated my point. It's just a one big back-scratching, quid pro quo, back-office deal-making. That's how we get $1.2 trillion deficits, and they ain't going away until we stop and return to regular order. Coming right back with more on Middays at Carter Jewelers. Stay with us. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert, here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Come on by and pick you out some jewelry. They got some great stuff in here, great people to help you with that selection. They can customize jewelry for you. They got financing and a promotion. You buy $1,000 of jewelry and get a trip to either Las Vegas or the Orlando area accommodations and airfare paid for that's a heck of a deal it really is as uh, on the ceasefire tax line as was just stated as republicans we oppose tax increases does that mean for everyone if so how can you support the elimination of state tax because that plan increases the tax i pay well let me see if i can break this down uh, this is on the 815 area code uh, as far as the tax increases that are in this $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, those actually come in the form of reduction of immediate expensing of capital equipment, a phasing out of that from 100% to 80%. And then it phases down, by the way, to 60% in the subsequent year, 40% over the next five years phases out totally as the way that is um is languaged up there, papered up, as they say in the legal world. 
in this omnibus spending bill. And this was a provision from the Trump tax cuts that essentially is designed to incentivize corporations, businesses, to invest in capital equipment, to grow their businesses, to make them more efficient, more agile. And it's it's just a way to, it doesn't, by the way, it doesn't eliminate the total tax burden. It just defers it, meaning you can deduct it all now instead of having to deduct it over the useful life of that whatever equipment or whatever the, the capital uh, equipment is that you're investing in. And those capital items could be, for example, computers or, or factory equipment, furniture, fixtures, anything that you could think of that would be sort of hard assets. That's really what, what that provision applies to. And says, so it doesn't apply to everyone. It doesn't change individual taxes, if that's what the question is. It, it just changes the way corporations would be. Um, computing their income tax. Uh, okay, so the the texter, the caller here, excuse me, the listener just texted back, says, because that plan increases. Okay, I'm referring to Mississippi state income tax. Not really sure what you're saying there. You're saying that the elimination of the state income tax would increase the tax you pay? Is that is that what you're saying? Let me know. Uh, Rom, uh, Rona Romney McDaniel is part of the problem. RNC desperately needs a new chair and new plans for resonating our true Republican planks. I agree. I think we need somebody new as well. Harmeet Dillon is a candidate for that post, and we'll see if she can uh, pull that off and, and replace Rona McDaniel. I think... Harmeet would be excellent. So, yes, uh, right back there, Rhino says that that eliminating the state income tax would increase the tax you would pay. I'm not following. Help, help us understand how this would increase the tax you pay. Darren and Jackson says, why don't we go to a consumption tax instead of income? It seems to penalize productivity. Well, in most conservatives, think tanks uh, and philosophers, from an economic perspective, would say, in fact, that we should tax consumption and not income, that it disincentivizes productivity and business investment and innovation and growth. Sure, we could do that, but understand that that means the 60% of the households in this country that do not pay any federal income tax would suddenly be hit with a, a fairly significant increase in the cost they pay for goods and services because the consumption tax, the tax levied uh, at the point of sale would go up dramatically, probably 25 to 30 percent. So if you're buying an item, just think about it, folks. You buy an item for 100 bucks, it's now $130 once you pay the federal consumption tax. That's what it would take to replace the federal income tax. Most people don't want that. They would say, oh, no, I don't want that. That's because most people don't bear the brunt of the income taxes. Only the wealthy do, even though the left says they don't pay their fair share. It's totally upside down. So this person says, I'm retired, and I pay no state income tax. It would increase the tax on sales. Well, I think, honestly, and folks out there who are retired may disagree with me, and that's fine. But that's a that's an old 
um, statute that's been in place for some time that eliminates uh, income tax or exempts income tax from retirement income. And so um, any increase in sales tax to make up the income tax, the loss of income tax, that's right. It would cost you a little bit more money. But what about your children? Maybe you don't have any or your grandchildren or people who actually work who would benefit from elimination of the income tax if we converted to a consumption tax, tax, which also, by the way, is is broadly, strongly supported by conservatives that, that I just pointed out. So it's a conundrum in the state of Mississippi. You remember that that uh, when, the, when the House came back with its final revised version of that, it did find uh, some way to work around that. But there's really no way in my view, to totally eliminate the income tax in the state of Mississippi without replacing it and increasing uh, our sales taxes, which, by the way, we still have an incredibly low sales tax. We are lower than all the other uh, na- uh, neighboring states in that respect. Um, even in the state of Tennessee, where there is no state income tax except on investment income, it, the average there, once you add in the average of the counties and municipalities that layer onto the state income tax, it's about 9.55%. So he, this person says, I was disagreeing with your statement that Republicans are opposed to tax increases. Well, that's a net tax decrease. Increasing the sales tax and eliminating the income tax is a net tax decrease. It is not a net tax increase. So that is a false statement, what your, your assertion is there. Leave state tax at 3% and drop sales tax on groceries. State tax is 7% in the state of Mississippi, 7%. It is not 3% and drop sales tax on groceries. So then what happens is the cities complain because municipalities derive most of their income from sales taxes. And in a lot of the small communities in the state of Mississippi, um, grocery stores happen to be the, uh, the main collectors of sales tax. You see the problem, everybody, you can't, it's hard to find something that works for everybody because, okay, if you touch this, it's like plugging a hole in a dike. You plug this hole in another one springs, you plug that one in another one springs. There's just no easy way to, to achieve uh, this to everybody's liking. So maybe we can come up with a compromise where everybody has to give a little bit. Maybe that's an idea. So it so says, yeah, good for me, for you, good, for me, negative. Okay, well, so are you more important me than me? And I'm not even talking about myself here. I, don't worry about me. I'm talking about the working people of the state of Mississippi, people who actually pay the bills, people who actually produce, people, and no disrespect to the retirees, I'm, I'm one of them, in effect, that worked a long time uh, to get to that point. Feel like I earned it, but all I'm saying is that we've got we've built a tax code in the state of Mississippi that's got all these special carve-outs all over the place, and everybody wants to keep those, but yet they want to eliminate the income tax. I'm all for it. How do we make that happen? Kyle says flat tax. Everyone pays flat tax on what? Kyle, that's the problem. Tax what? Flat tax on all income? Define income. There are tens of thousands of pages in the IRS code just to figure out what is income. I pay and produced. I did too. But it's all about what is the best. We should be focused on what is the best tax structure to drive economic growth in the state of Mississippi. What's the best, best tax structure? You tell me. 
Um, I'm open to it. I personally think that ultimate elimination of the income tax is the best way to do that. And I'd like us also to find a way to cut some spending. We've talked about that extensively. I've talked to state lawmakers about that as well. Um, But when you consider that half of our spending is education, and a good bit of that is uh, teacher pay, and we just increased teacher pay substantially. So we need to have serious conversations around this to try to find some way to produce and create the most effective tax structure to drive economic growth. Again, I'll go back to what our goal should be is increasing per capita income and household income, where we rank 50th and have been since those statistics have been calculated going back to 1929. Every single year, we are 50th. I'm tired of being 50th. I hope you are, too. And I still want to see that giant tote board down there in the Senate and the House chambers in the Capitol that keeps that their eye totally focused on those figures, knowing that their goal in every piece of legislation is to increase it and get off of 50th. Coming right back with Jerry Lake, owner of Carter Jewelers. That's where we are in downtown Jackson. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone midday super talk mississippi we are downtown jackson jerry lake carter jewelers joining us now to wrap up the show all right jerry i gotta tell you of all the times i've been here i don't think it's been quite this busy as it has been today between the 10 o'clock and the one o'clock hour here that's good well we're we're happy about that uh jordan anyway and i'm happy to be with your uh, Super Talk uh, family. Well, we're glad to be here. Yeah, we sh- we sure are. Yeah. So, what are you well, selling today? Well, let me tell you, we've got a, our our Christmas sale is going on, and and this is this is the best Christmas sale, in my opinion, that we've ever had, and I'll tell you the reasons for that. Is uh, no number one, uh, what happened earlier in the year? I made a buddy of mine who handles the uh, works in the closeout division for. The world's biggest diamond jewelry manufacturer. He called me and, and he said they had, had the economy was slowing down a bit and they were just inundated with uh, jewelry in the closeout department. And he said I needed to come up. He said and it was better stuff than than ever. And uh, I know it's always the right deals through them. But anyway, went up there in the summer and I went up there again in the fall. And uh, between those two. Trips. I think it was probably those two trips and the two stores. I think it was the biggest purchase that, that we've ever made. And it was, uh, let me tell you, it was gorgeous jewelry. I mean, we even bought diamond solitaire, stud diamond earrings. I mean, things that we normally never get in closeout. 
And it, I mean, it was so good that when I got back, I, when I looked at it, I had to make another trip up there. <laughs> he said, he said they got so much stuff they can hardly get it in their in their vaults. And uh, <laughs> anyway, Did you clean them out. I, I bought as much as I could afford, and, and even with extra terms to our, uh, that they gave us. And, and I, honestly, so much of that stuff, I mean, it, it doesn't go bad but it, it yeah. we're we're selling we're selling uh, a, a lot of that jewelry for about the same kind of price as it would cost us if we if we reordered it yeah and it this uh and, and you put that bigger larger amount of jewelry on top of what we normally carry as as a regional selection uh if there's anybody in this part of the country that's got a better selection or better deals i don't know who it would be but uh, and not only that, some really some lanyap is, uh, you know, whether you got uh, so many of you out there, you got that person in your life you owe a piece of fine jewelry for, and a lot of times you don't don't think, well, maybe I can afford it, but you you should come to this sale. I think you're going to find some gorgeous things at, at maybe prices that you you may not have thought you could uh, handle. But uh, anyway, you, you can. And if you're not buying for somebody else, you can buy for yourself. We're giving away a round trip for two people, including hotel accommodations, to either Vegas or Orlando, Florida. And uh, it's I don't see how it gets much better. And sometimes just getting the heck out of Dodge for, you know, a little while can really... Uh, it can really freshen up an outlook on on everything. Sure. But uh, aside from that, let me tell you, we and we got we got tons of stuff under a hundred and under two hundred dollars. We got price points galore. You're gonna find uh, you're gonna find a selection of jewelry, gorgeous things, at at, at great prices. And, and these are these are the reasons why I think this is our our best Christmas sale that we we've ever had. That I, I know of or can remember, and our customers seem to be liking it. Like uh, Jordan said, we've it's been brisk. Uh, I wasn't quite here when Jordan got here, but I, I know that you know it's been a real busy yeah. morning and uh, uh, midday for us. But anyway, I, I want to thank everybody out there for your past business, and if you do have a uh, if a piece of jewelry is is something you might have an interest in, I, I think you'd be uh, I think you'd be well served and worth your time to, to come in and take a look. We're at Carter Jewelers. We're downtown Jackson, two blocks from the Capitol at the corner of State and High Street and the Pemberton Plaza in, in Vicksburg. And uh, as uh, always, we you know we appreciate all our we appreciate every, everybody's business and being our customers. So uh, and we we're gift wrapping. And, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of parking here, and sometimes if our parking lot is full just next door at Baptist, they, they we reciprocate with them. You can park over there. So, you know, if you come over here and there's no parking spaces, uh, you just kind of go right around the corner on State Street, and there'll be a place there, there to park. Well, it looks like you're going to have a fantastic Christmas season here, Jerry. And I, I've watched, again, your people are great. They interact with folks uh, in such a positive manner. They're so helpful. They stick with them. They get things done. 
And we appreciate you having us. Well, listen, I enjoy having y'all, and uh, I appreciate you saying that about my employees. I, I think they really work hard to try to try to make it the best Good to see you. they can. We'll be All back right. on Friday. Okay. All We're right. out of here today. Everybody. Stay safe. God bless everyone. Bye. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.